is Soap Sunday. Soap, S-O-A-P, stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. And so as you're reading your Bible, as you're spending time in the Word, you know this, that if you ask God to speak to you, that he'll quicken something out of, out of the passage. It doesn't matter where you're reading in the Bible. He has this amazing ability to actually speak into our lives and what's going on in our lives. And as you do that, you, you write that scripture down and you spend some time prayerfully observing and saying, God, what, what are you trying to say? What do you want to speak into my life? And then as that happens, then you, then you say, God, now how do I apply this? How do I apply this to my life? And then ultimately you turn that into a prayer. Uh, who would like to share a soap this morning? Dave? And, and do they have your information? They do. Good job. Come up here. Wait a minute. Let me turn that on. There it is. Morning, everyone. Um, I'm going to set the stage here. Um, yesterday, I always get up and I ask the Lord when I get to my writing, uh, what are we going to talk about? And then it was words that came where uh, Jesus explains. And uh, so I titled this, on the road to somewhere and we all have that destination in our lives the scripture is Luke 24 27 and uh, you may want to go back today and read Luke in that area but it's often referred as a walk to a mess uh, this is out of the amplified we got that then Beginning with Moses and throughout all the prophets, he, that being Jesus, went on explaining and interpreting to them all the scriptures, the things concerning and referring to himself. And he'd caught up to a couple people that morning, and that morning being Resurrection Sunday. But after the ladies were at the tomb, and after the... Uh, I'll say the followers of the ladies, the two disciples were there. They went back. And these guys had heard all of this coming, the guys walking to the next city. But coming up behind him was this guy. And they, they were going, haven't you heard? So, observation. Jesus can explain himself. This is important to consider when we have questions. Application. Jesus explains to us until we recognize him that he did at the dinner. When we recognize Jesus, we recognize truth. So, prayer. Jesus, what have he explained to us today? Your history correct, correctly explains your words. You walk with us explaining the prophets you sent. The prophets that spoke, you're coming. You know the scripture you wrote by your heart. When will we listen? Jesus, 
in a seven-mile walk. You explained from in the beginning to what happened earlier today, being the third day. You walked with people to open their eyes and ears. Jesus, in our beginning, did we understand? Did you disappear from our table? Did we understand you after you were gone from us? What do we think today? Jesus, can we walk with you again? Can you explain your words? And our journey to you, to us. We know you can, Lord. We know you can. Jesus, guide us on our walk to you. Let us listen. Amen. Yeah. Ooh, good stuff. Anybody else have a soap to share this morning? Come on, brother. Do, do they have your information? What translation? Well, you'll probably put up the New King James, but th that'll work. Absolutely. Bless y'all. Love y'all. Good morning, everybody. Well, should I say family? Because we're all family in this here. Should I say family? We're all family. <clears throat> Got the same father. So the soap today that I'm coming from is the book of Titus. Titus was an understudy of Paul the Apostle. This is a letter that Paul written to him. Uh, I think before we even get into that, it's imperative we know the role and the life of Paul, who went from being Saul the murderer to, to Paul, the, 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 the mo one of the most prominent apostles. I would say that's the purpose of God. Um, so for all of us, you know, the Bible says a liar just as bad as a murderer. So we were once murderers of the truth. And when we come into Christ and receive his Holy Spirit, we become the purpose of God. So coming from Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, I'll make it brief. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged man be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged woman likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young woman to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chest, keepers of home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of, that is of contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things not answering again. In, 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 a, in a 
brief surmise of everything, we have to understand the role that we play in life. And the, there's a scripture where it says, husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church. And he gave himself up a ransom. But then he says, wives, submit to your husbands. He would often call Israel a she. You know, even in his rebuking them, like a swift Andromeda who snuffed up at the wind. In her season, all men will find him. But yet when Christ came as the word of God, he is the principles of God. And principles cannot be bend or sway. They are straightway. Hallelujah. So we can only be as the she in this equation, his heavenly emotions. So I wouldn't say this is something to downplay or to re or to rebuke or, constr or constrict. We have to see the parallel revelation in this. We being the bride of father have to submit and recognize who laid whose life down for us. And even in this, this is where the adversary really breaks down the structure of God for those who are weak, unskillful in the things of God. First thing he talks about is being sober-minded. That's not just staying away from any habituants. That's basically staying away from things that will plague the mind first. He says, how can one take over, uh, how can one take over a um, strong man's house unless he tie up the strong man? He's talking about the mind first. So that's, that's all I got for y'all today. Bless you. Thank you. That's right. Forgive me. Heavenly Father, Abba Yahuwah, we thank you on this morning. We ask you to, to, uh, to dwell on us richly. For those who have a hard time receiving you right now and don't know why, show them where the error is through the word of God. Even touch their spirits. And let's start ripping off the foreskin of the heart. So you can be received. Hallelujah. And for us who do already have you and who are mature, keep our minds steadfast on yourself. Keep us yearning and having that taste, that pat for you and for your word. Um, watch over all of us. And in our ignorance, pardon us for those things. But let us have a yearning to be knowledgeable of you, which is the fear of the Lord, which is truly the beginning of knowledge and of wisdom. In the name that's above every name, Yeshua HaMashiach also known as Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. Good stuff. Come on. Now, who's shocked that, that Lachelle would have a soap? No shocker. Thank you. Okay, so mine is Romans 12, 1 through 2, the message version. And I titled my soap Set Apart. This is an older one, um, but I still felt it was so relevant, and I hadn't shared it yet, so... If it's in this notebook, I haven't shared it yet. Because <laughs> once I've shared it, I put it in my um, my one, I call it my war Bible. Um, but I put it in there, and it becomes part of my war, um, my war prayers. But anyway, so uh, Romans 12, 1 through 2 um, says, So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work. You're walking around life and place it before God 
as an offering. Embrace what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Do not become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Um, Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Um, If you like to, like, read the different translations, which I love to do, but also if you read this in the... um, Uh, The Passion Translation is really, really good, too. But anyways, my observation with this is that uh, living out my faith isn't just about uh, the spiritual discipline, but it's using those spiritual disciplines to fuel me into a life that shows others who Jesus is um, because of how I live my life. So to follow Jesus fully is to realize that every single thing that I do matters and is an opportunity for me to be set apart from the world's normal. So an opportunity for me to be the hardest worker, the kindest friend, utterly devoted spouse, the most patient person, consumed with loving others right where they are, um, all shown just by the way that I live my life, by the way that I work, how I treat my family and my friends and strangers. And that's part of my application because this is what I want and I will to set me apart from my life, or from others in my life. Um, my prayer is, Lord, thank you for being with me every moment of every day. Speak to me today and guide me. Lead me so that I can show others who you are by the way that I live my life. Uh, reveal to me any areas within me um, and in my life where I need to rely on you more and transform me from the inside out, Lord, to become more and more like you and less and less like me in the world's way. In Jesus' name, amen. I was trying to read slow for Cheryl, but... (laughs) You know, you, you follow directions much better than Amen. Does anybody else have a soap to share today? Jen, come on. Good morning. I'm in Luke 5, starting with, i got to find my, my number here. Sorry about that. <laughs> I'm starting with uh, verse 36 and going to verse 39, and this is in Passion Translation. And so Jesus is talking to a group of people, and he gave them this illustration. No one rips up a new garment to make patches for an old, worn-out one. If you tear up the new to make a patch for the old, it would not match the old garment. And who pours new wine into an old wineskin? If someone did, the old wineskin would burst, and the new wine would be lost. New wine must be always poured into new wineskins. Yet you say the old ways are better, and you refuse to even taste the new wine that I bring. So um, the observation, as you know, I'm leading a group uh, using the chosen as a... Uh, 
a Bible study. We play the, the video, and then there is a, a Bible uh, study that goes with it. By the way, if you haven't been through uh, season one with us, you still can jump in at season two. And uh, they have an app online that you can download for free. You can go through and um, go through for, uh, season one if you want to, and then you can jump in with us on season two. So you're welcome. Um, I've been, because of the place I'm in in my own life, I'm in a transition. But I've been challenged by the thought of a new wineskin. What in the world does that look like? And I thought back to the time when I was in college. When I was here and I was first saved around 13, I was in a church that you got saved and that became, when you did your confession of faith, you became a member of that church. So, and you were baptized in the water a week later. And so I know that when I did receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I felt the change. I felt the relief of being forgiven and the relief of being part of the church. But I didn't get the part about repenting. I didn't have that, that concept down. It wasn't taught was the problem. So I didn't know that I was supposed to have Jesus uh, change me in the process, and I was pretty sinful. I was, I, I won't lie to you, I wasn't a very nice person, and my sin was hidden. I was, a, I was sneaky. I hid my sin. It was mostly in here, and actions and attitudes, and there was some of it I acted out. But it, when I got to college, there was a really good fellowship that was teaching a full gospel. They were teaching repentance. They were teaching that Jesus was a personal person, that you could get to know and get to love, and that, yes, we do follow the Bible and we live by it. And so a lot of things changed. This was an issue of old thinking being changed to new thinking, old attitudes being changed to new attitudes. And in The Chosen, you see such an evidence of why Jesus got in so much trouble because the Pharisees had this set of rules and regulations above and beyond the Ten Commandments, they had 613 more rules and regulations. And some of them were good, some of them were all right, except how, what was the attitude that the, the Pharisees were doing concerning the everyday people. They weren't very nice to the everyday people. They were pretty judgmental. And so when Jesus comes on the scene, he's eating with tax collectors and he's eating with People in the red quarter, which are the the down and outers that are practicing some things that in that culture you don't do. And he was going to Samaria, and he was going to places, uh, I think he ended up going to Syria, where he was ministering to people that are even Gentiles. Oh, my goodness. And boy, did that cause a stir. And so I'm asking now, God, okay, let's fast forward to 2024. How do we put on a new wineskin as a Christian. We keep ourselves holy. We keep ourselves um, loving God and obeying him, but at the same time, loving people right where they're at. How do you tell the truth? How do you love at the same time? How do you get that combination going? Because right now in my life, I have people that are practicing homosexuality, I have people that have left the church because they were very offended, and they will not come to church. 
I have people that uh, one person in particular has been very rejected, and therefore she will pray, but she doesn't think God will answer her prayers. And, and God has answered her prayers, but she doesn't see that he has. And so instead of, here's the application, instead of insisting that we do it this way, you have to come to church and you have to do this and you have to follow that direction, I invite them here. I invite them to fellowship with us. But a lot of the way that I practice is I go to them. I take the church to them. I approach them at whatever point they're at. Sometimes I will make a statement to see if I can get some movement toward new thinking, and I get back. I get backlash a lot right now. So I have to be a little careful, be loving, not make them feel like they're a project because they're not. They're 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 people. We need to treat them with love and respect, like Jesus would if you were standing here. And so I, I'm learning all this stuff. And I, I, very truthfully, you may see me do some things that you won't understand. So I may have you come to me going, Jan, what you doing? <laughs> That's okay. You need to check me sometimes. But I may do it differently than we traditionally do it because they're out there and they're needing Jesus and they're needing love and they're needing understanding. People are in a lot of trouble right now. And they need somebody just come alongside and listen sometimes. Come alongside and just love on them sometimes. Come on si alongside and give them hope. And so I'm trying to learn what the new wine sit, the new wine skin is. Not be religious. Not go too far out, out on a limb that I'm in error. But at the same time, do what Jesus is really wanting to do right now. We're coming into a harvest that's already started. The harvest has already started. And so I need to know what to do as my part of that harvest. <laughs> so let's go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, I love you. I thank you that you're taking me on adventures. And Lord God, I, I uh, acknowledge that I need to really be dependent on you. I'm not going to get this right unless you lead me and guide me. So I humble myself before you. I depend my, with my whole life. Um, on you to help show me the new way to go. What is the ancient path that I'm to walk on now that will help uh, get closer to you and will help the body of Christ get closer to you and help the ones that need you, Lord God. Help us to really hear how to be part of the new wineskin um, paradigm, Lord God, that you're showing us. Help us to know how to do awakening. Help us to know how to do the harvest in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to share a soap with you. Is that okay? Thank you. Test. Okay. I'm always encouraged on Soap Sunday just to hear how God is speaking to various people in the church. My soap comes out of Luke chapter 16, verses 10, 11, 12, and 13. I have been meditating on these verses for about maybe six weeks now. And uh, I, I'm going to, in order to speed this up, I'm just going to go right into to my observation. And I'll, I'll read this, each of these verses during my observation. 
But my, my first observation is, is this. This is all about stewardship. You know, much of the Bible is written about being a good steward. Being a good and faithful servant or, or steward of what we have. Verse 10 says, he was, uh, of Luke, he was faithful in what is least, is faithful also in much. And he was unjust in what is least, is unjust also in much. Faithfulness in the little things opens the door to the stewarding of more. How I handle little things determines how I will, how I will be able to handle bigger things. Faithfulness in little things despise not the day of small beginnings. Faithfulness in little things, it, it, it brings me to a place of, of, of more and greater. Uh, faithfulness with little. Verse 11, therefore, if you've not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? There, there is something special about the stewarding of money and the keeping of my heart right in the stewarding of money that opens the door to the stewarding of, of true riches or, or things of eternal significance. Verse 12, if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? That's such a powerful verse. Wow. I, I've thought about this a lot through the years. Faithfulness is arrived at by stewarding well, at first maybe what belongs to someone else. And then it leads or prepares you to steward well your own. If I'm not stewarding well what belongs to someone else, I'm not in a position to steward well what would, would be my own. When I, when I got my driver's license at 16, how many got, got their driver's license on the day they turned 16? Yeah, like I'm not waiting for nothing. Like, I'm getting my license. In fact, I had a camping trip with my friend. We were going up to Tiger Canyon and camping. And uh, we, his dad took us out, and we bought a tent for the camping trip. And I'm thinking, man, I better pass this test, or our whole weekend is messed up. But <clears throat> when I got my license, I owned a motorcycle. Now, it was a powerful, it was a powerful bike, Kevin, a Suzuki 80. <laughs> I mean... It wasn't even a 90. I remember driving it to Tri-Cities one time. I couldn't get over 35 miles an hour when the, when the wind was against me. And when you passed the big truck, it kind of went like that. Now, when the wind was on your back, I could get up to 65. Now, you can tell I'm quite a biker dude. But my dad didn't let me have my own car. I had to use one of his cars if I needed a car. Uh, he, he said, I'm not going to let you buy a car, which upset me to no end. What, what do my parents know anyway? How many remember being a teenager? Now, I, I, can, I can see his reasoning now because hindsight is 2020. Isn't it amazing how years after you've been raised, you realize a lot of the thinking behind some of the things that your parents did or didn't do. One night I had a, a double date, and uh, I had a, a, a Pontiac Bonneville. It's a huge gas hog. So I went and picked up my friend Larry, then we went and picked up the girls, and then we, drove, drove, we dragged the gut. And then we went to the theater, 
Then afterwards, we dragged the gut. Well, my dad informed me the next day when I got up that I put almost 60 miles on the car on that date. And he was not very happy. Now, he didn't want me to own my own car, and he was right. And it wasn't until I started putting gas in his car after I used it and cleaned up my messes in his car when I returned it, it was then that he said, you can have a car. And now you're ready. You're starting to steward well what belongs to someone else. You're ready to have one yourself. God actually looks at how well we are stewarding what belongs to someone else before he gives us our own. It's in learning to steward well what is someone else's that prepares me to steward well my own. And I begin to think back in my life how much time I spent stewarding stuff that was really someone else's. Now, I, I thought of it at the time as my own also, which, which one should in order to be able to steward it well. But that's really what prepares us to have our own. What, what I'm trying to say is during that season of stewarding in, in different environments, man, there were heart issues. There, there, were, there were clashes. There were things that happened that were testing my heart. And, and the greatest challenge was being pregnant with something from God that I couldn't give birth to in the environment that I was in. And yet still, stewarding well what I put my hand to and uh, endeavoring to do it to the glory of God. You know, I, have you ever needed a healing and you didn't get your healing, but, but somebody next to you got their healing? How well do you steward what belongs to another? Are you rejoicing for them? Are you rejoicing with them? Are you excited for what God is doing in their life? Verse 13, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. The ultimate challenge of stewardship involves my heart, keeping God first place in my life. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, the word money is not exactly interchangeable with the word mammon. The word mammon means wealth personified. Jesus is talking about the spirit behind something. He is addressing mammon here as more than dollars because money itself it's not evil. It's not bad. It's not wrong. Money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. Mammon and the love of money are probably more interchangeable. Money is, is just a means to an end. It's just a commodity. All of us need money and use money every day. Mammon is evil. It's a principality. It's the power behind it works behind world economics to enslave people to possessions, to bring them into servitude. Proverbs says that the borrower is servant to the lender. Its aim is to bring people into captivity through covetousness or greed. Oh, you've got to have that new car or that expensive thing. You deserve this or that until you are in captivity financially. 
Now, let me clarify some things. God is not opposed to you or me owning things, but he is opposed to things owning us. And when you're in servitude, they are, they are owning you. They, they are dictating your life. It's a heart issue. Jesus is always, he goes after the heart. We cannot serve God and mammon. See, when we turn and put money supreme, supreme value on money or on the things that money can buy, we have dethroned God in our lives and have stepped into idolatry. Proverbs 3.5 tells us that covetousness is idolatry. But here's the thing. You can be guilty of the love of money and have all kinds of money. You can also be guilty of the love of money and have nothing. You could be homeless on the street with nothing and yet be filled with covetousness and greed. Or you can have many things and not be impacted by the love of money. It's not, it's not about what kind of car you drive or what kind of house you own. It's, it's all about heart issues. God is after our hearts. All kingdom issues are heart issues. These verses that I just read are all about the heart. So my application was this. I, I just started asking myself some questions. What are the little things that God has given me to be faithful with? Areas that I, that I have my hand on right now what areas am I not moving forward in because of unfaithfulness? Am I stewarding my heart to keep it right before, before God? To keep him first place? Because covetousness actually dethrones him in my life. How can I recognize covetousness in my life? It's usually reflected in an inability to give, to honor God. I can see areas in my life where God has brought increase through faithfulness. Am I possibly blind to the areas that I haven't been faithful with? Am I stewarding the true riches or am I stifled because I'm not stewarding well natural things? What am I stewarding that belongs to someone else? Am I stewarding it well or have I been unfaithful? And so this is my prayer. Lord, I choose to fully embrace your lordship. I want you to be the Lord of my heart. I want to serve you and only you. Help me to be a good steward. Help me to be found faithful in stewarding the little things so that those things can increase in my life. Lord, expose my heart. Show me any areas of unfaithfulness. Help me to recognize the things I steward that belong to someone else so that I will be good at stewarding what is my own. Lord, I long to hear you say these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. I, the thing I love about Soap Sunday is it's like coming to a buffet. You're not going to get just one meal in particular, although sometimes it's amazing how God does 
link everything together. But I, I believe that at least through someone that spoke today, God stirred something in your heart. And so, Father, that, that's our prayer, that the, the word that has been sown in our heart today, oh, God, we don't want to lose it. We don't want to let go, but we want it to just be uh, sealed in our hearts. Holy Spirit, seal that word. Enable us to, to uh, meditate on it. Enable us to, to walk it out in our lives. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. So, um, Wow, we had a business meeting today. Did, did it seem like, my wife, my wife said 15 minutes. Did that seem like a long 15 minutes? No. Oh, good, good. Maybe. I want to invite prayer teams to come and to be available to pray with people this morning. The benediction I want to give you is Jude 1, verses 24 and 25. Now to him who was able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you, saints. Have a wonderful week.